You and I know that making smart financial decisions can be challenging, but it's the 21st century. Financial freedom is no longer just for the 1% wealthy. It's for you and me, busy moms and dads living their best life. The big question is this, how do we create time, avoid making painful mistakes, set examples for our children and find the best resources to help us reach our financial goals? This podcast will give you the answers. Join me on my journey helping busy families figure out how they can gain financial confidence and clarity, get actionable tips, and learn from the best guest experts. It is now the time you start living your best financial life. My name is Anna Shogunina, and welcome to the Money Boss Parent Podcast. to another episode of Money Boss Podcast, where we explore the intersection of money and family planning. Today, we are joined by Abby Feeder, a fertility and life coach, founder of Encircle Fertility, a company that provides support and guidance to women and couples on their path to parenthood. Abby's personal journey with infertility and pregnancy loss led her to create a community where individuals can find resolution and hope. She's also the host of the new podcast, called The Fertility Cheek, and a recurring contributor to very popular blogs. In this episode, we'll discuss the emotional and financial challenges of fertility treatments and how can a firm and service like Abby's can help individuals navigate these very difficult experiences. Tune in into our conversation. Welcome to the Money Boss Podcast. I am your host, Anna Sergunina, and today we're joined by Abby Feeder, founder of Encircle Fertility, and we're discussing the emotional and financial challenges families are facing when they're going through fertility treatments. First of all, Abby, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. We connected and it was like instant, when can we do this? And I'm just happy we made it happen. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, this is a conversation I personally should have had on the show many, many um, episodes ago, but I'm, I am excited because I found the right person. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, dive on in. Great. I think it would be really helpful for my listeners because I think the minute somebody hears word fertility or infertility or, you know, challenges with starting a family, maybe this is personal perception, but you kind of tend to sort of get, like, get quiet and see what, you know, check the room and see what everybody else is doing or saying and what's the body language. But I kind of want to have an honest conversation here. So maybe it will help if you share your personal journey a little bit and, and, and how you actually um, came to do what you're doing today. I would love to. So I think you're absolutely right. I think so much of the response we have as humans, when we hear the word fertility or infertility is actually about our own discomfort with feeling dis or feeling uncomfortable. So when someone tells you perhaps that they're suffering or there's that awkward, wait, how long have you been married? And then people, you can see them doing the math in their head. Like, oh, I wonder if they want kids. Oh, it's been so long, right? It's, it's less about the person going through it as the infertile person and more about the other person feeling a little bit uncomfortable because it is such a delicate topic. So when I started my journey, which was honestly 11 years ago right now, um, I did not want to talk about it with anybody because I still wanted to be able to surprise people and say, we're pregnant. And that's something that you sort of lose along the way. 
Um, I went through infertility treatment for six years, not six years straight. There were definitely times that I needed mental health break, but I just couldn't believe it was my story. You know, when, when we didn't get pregnant on the first try, I was shocked because, you know, we all think as we all do learn in sex, if we're lucky, you know, you're, you have, it's so easy to get pregnant. We didn't get pregnant the first time. I just remember my husband was like, okay, well, here starts our journey. And we had had friends that had gone through it. And I just remember thinking, I'm so grateful this isn't going to be us because nobody thinks it's going to be them. Right. And we were healthy. And like, I always thought I took care of my body. I feel like girlfriends I had that were way less careful with their body and choices, and they had no problem getting pregnant. So why was this happening to us? And, um, about three years in is when we kicked it into overdrive and went for a lot of medical treatment and we can get more into it. But the long story short version is that we did four IUIs and including egg retrievals and transfers, which is when they transfer an embryo in, we did 12 cycles of IVF. We're probably certifiably crazy, but Mm -hmm. if we weren't certifiably crazy, we would not have gotten to the other side, which is where we are now with our twin four-year-olds. And when I did emerge on the other side, I felt this very strong calling to be able to help others go through it and to learn from not just my mistakes, but to navigate the steps that sometimes take forever to sort of speed things up, make the most of your time and money along the way. And because we're race, we're all racing the clock on this journey. So that's why I found it in circle fertility. I think it's a, such an awesome um, service and, and, and offering that you have because, you know, as you alluded to your own journey, it could take forever. And I think it's just, I haven't, haven't been there myself. I didn't know where to start and, right. and feeling like some of the shame, um, shame, guilt. I mean, there's all kinds of feelings that come with it. Right. Um, and nowhere to go and yes. no one to ask questions. Right. Yes. There's doctors that yep. do all of those things, but even with that, I had to go through three doctors until there was one that really helped and was successful. Right. So like, it's a, such a wild, wild west to where to begin having exactly someone... how I say it is wild, wild west. Exactly. Okay. All right. So still, it's still yeah. that. Yeah. Still <laughs> but is. having having someone to hold your hand along your, this journey, you know, wherever you are is so, so amazing. Can you talk a little bit about the emotional toll that this can take, um, on, you know, on anyone, whether you're the one going through the actual treatment or you're the spouse or the partner, because, you know, or maybe you're, you know, just embarking on this on your own. Mm -hmm. I felt like that was, it still, I think is probably the most difficult part of this. I think you're so right. I think you're so right. So included in the emotional toll is a lot of waiting, which when you set out to build your family and have a timeline that you think you're going to be following, right? I want my first kid at this age and my second kid at that age. And my husband will be the right. That is a very hard timeline to release, especially Mm -hmm. as women. And I don't want to overgeneralize, but so many little girls grow up thinking about when they're going to become a mom and some don't, and that's great too, but so many do. So when they finally get married, if that's the traditional path you're taking, or again, like, you know, I think about single moms by choice who I coach many of them and they're so incredible. 
And they're like, look, did I wish that maybe I weren't a single mom by choice? Yeah. But now I have the ability to take this into my control and move forward. Right. So then once you've made that decision and you go down this road and you actually realize how much waiting there is, or, you know, a cycle doesn't work and you thought it was going to, or you're ready to move forward with treatment and the doctor finds a cyst and you have to give it another 30 days, whatever it is, like releasing that timeline, I think is a huge piece of the emotional toll. And I think that women process that timeline a lot different than men. Um, I, I find at least in my coaching of couples, like the, the guys tend, and again, these are all over generalizations. Every case is different, but the men don't understand that the women are like, I want this to happen yesterday. And so also that lack of understanding can start to affect the relationship, which continues to contribute to the emotional toll that it's taking. And also, like you said, there is shame. There's shame at your body that it might not be doing what it's supposed to do. I kept feeling, like I said earlier, how is this possibly our story? How is this possibly our story? And I do believe in God and universe, and I'm a very spiritual person. And I was like, why would I be tested like this? So I really got more angry and resentful. A lot of women get more, like you said, feel guilt and shame about their body, perhaps about the relationship where if the diagnosis is on the female in a, in a heterosexual partnership, they feel so guilty that they got into this relationship with a man who could have had potentially children with somebody else. Similarly, I've seen many men who have male factor infertility feel like, why didn't I test so that you knew what you were getting into in case you, you know, and, and it's like, you really have to commit to being on this journey together for better or worse, as cliche as it might sound, because Mm -hmm. It's no one's fault. You're in it together. And if you both want the same outcome, you know, you just have to try to remember that. And I know that's easier said than done. No, definitely. And and it's also like when you look at our society today, um, women, right, choose to have kids maybe a little bit later in their life, yes. right? Not um, as our, you know, our parents' generation or even our grandparents. So knowing that, right. And there's lots of conversations on this topic because maybe um, you want to have a career or maybe you want to start a business. Right. And so you kind of, you know, generally push the, the, the childbearing, um, you know, time into the later part of your year, your, you know, younghood when you're like in your thirties. Right. And so, and there's lots of conversation around like, okay, is that too late to have a baby? Is this when you're like getting to trouble? So like, how do we like begin this conversation sooner with those who are thinking like, okay, I don't want to have kids intentionally. Right. Which was right. my case. Like I, you know, I, I, I did not have a specific date. My husband and I got married. We were t- uh, very young. We were 22 year olds and I wow. certainly didn't want to have kids then. So it was like, okay, it will just happen when it will happen. Right. But then once I turned 30, it was like, well, it hasn't happened yet. So some, something needs to, you know, to change. So like, how do we start, to educate public, right? And everyone around it. It isn't just for the people that are going through this or will one day go through it, but everyone. like, Because you know those questions. They come at you all the time. When are you going to have kids? Aren't you working too hard? Like, like, let's break... Let's break some of that because it's, it's so it's needed so much. Right. Well, I think exactly right. You're exactly right. Our generation... Are as women, we saw maybe our parents' generation or our grandparents' generation. Like my parents' generation, every all my girlfriends' uh, parents were divorced. So 
everyone got married young because that's what their parents did. Then they realized you're you're an exception to the rule. Like my parents got married, my mom was 20 and she realized, oh, this is not this is not what I was meant to do. And so they got divorced. And so my generation saw these relationships crumble all around them. Mothers mm-hmm. who maybe didn't pursue careers because they were having kids so young. And I think that one of the things we learned from that generation is that maybe we can push to have it all, right? Like we should pursue happiness in the form of career and family and not make it one or the other. And I do believe that with some tweaks in our social standards, like you're suggesting, we can have it all. We just have to plan ahead. So in my dream world, you know, your OBGYN, your regular gynecology appointment would start the approach talking about egg freezing. Now, look, egg freezing is not a hundred percent guarantee, but it offers a little bit of support and insurance and time for you to figure out what you might want. I jokingly say after everything that I went through, like for my daughter's 25th birthday, we're going to get her eggs frozen. Um, and, and part of the reason, and part of the way that that conversation continues to happen publicly is by people coming on podcasts and talking about it. And when celebrities speak up about going through IVF treatment or freezing their eggs, also more and more companies are taking on um, fertility benefits as part of their insurance packages, Mm -hmm. which sometimes includes egg freezing. So if you've gone the career route, and you're at this, you know, high profile company, hopefully they're going to have a great benefits package that will include fertility treatment. And you're, you can think like, oh, I never thought to freeze my eggs, but now this is being presented to me and maybe I should take advantage of it. So it's a slow Mm -hmm. process, but I can even say within the six years, I'm sorry, the four years since I finished my treatment and had my kids, I feel like we've already grown leaps and bounds like exponentially. So if in the next four years we grow at the same rate, I think we're making pretty good progress. Becoming a new parent is extraordinary, life-changing event that brings a mix of emotions from joy to worry, excitement and fear. Suddenly, you're not only responsible for yourself, but also for another little person who depends on you for everything and it's okay to feel overwhelmed. But remember, you've got this. Did you know that raising a child from birth to age 18 can cost over $234,000 on average? And that does not even include things like daycare, private school, or college savings for the future. Planning for these expenses is crucial, and that's where the Money Parent Checklist comes in. I've created this resource for new parents like you to get you started. It will help you adapt and prepare for your new financial reality. It's a comprehensive guide that covers everything from setting up a budget for your new family, planning baby expenses, securing your child's future, and even preparing for those exciting college years ahead. Yes, I've got you covered from A to Z so you can focus on cherishing those precious moments with your little one. But don't let money worries get in the way of creating unforgettable memories. Visit parentmoneychecklist.com today and grab your free copy. I agree. And, yeah. and, and the medicine is there. The technology exists. I mean, we were just chatting before the actual recording happened about the, the AI and, and all of that, yes. you know, it's happening. Of course, AI probably wouldn't help you with your fertility <laughs> journey. But who knows? I, <laughs> who you knows? Know. <laughs> you know, the world is a, is a crazy place. Yes. So let, 
maybe we can cover this a, a little bit, um, not to get into the weeds because everybody's journey is different as what you have to do, but maybe just in general terms so that, you know, if someone is, has, hasn't really started or doesn't even know they need to, you know, maybe just, you know, explore and research this, like, what does it entail? Um, and sure. like, how long might it take for even just get some ideas Maybe even if you have any latest costs on things, sure. that would be also helpful. Sure. So it really depends on if you're be if you get a diagnosis or not. In my case, we had unexplained infertility, which in some ways is great because there's nothing that they can find that's wrong with you, and in some ways it's the most frustrating because there's also no way to figure out how to treat it. So if you're in that sort of situation. Um, and you're young and you're healthy, you know, you'll start with some basic blood work and you can do this with your gynecologist, or you can immediately go to a fertility doctor. I tend to think everything takes longer than you want it to. So I would empower you to go to the fertility doctor sooner rather than later, no matter what. But if for some reason you don't want to, or you can't, you can get your sort of basic fertility workup done with your regular OBGYN. And what they test for are two main things, which is AMH, which is your, basically your quantity of follicles. Again, it's not a hundred percent guarantee of anything, but it helps understand like, is yours generally low? Is it high? What's going on inside your body? They can do an ultrasound and see all those follicles. And just to be clear, follicles turn into eggs, which turn into embryos. Mm -hmm. Um, and they'll test your um, FSH, your follicle stimulating hormone, which says like, is everything between your hormonal regulatory system communicating properly so that your brain is stimulating your body to ovulate at the right time, right? Like maybe there's something going on there. And if they can't really find anything wrong, usually they start with something called IUI, which is intrauterine insemination. They start there because it's much less expensive and much less invasive. Um, some people call it the turkey baker baster method. Basically what you do is sometimes it's with medication and sometimes it's not, but you make sure that you, oh, sorry, you make sure that you are um, ovulating and you time an, a shot that you take. You take that shot. It has you ovulated an exact moment. You go into a doctor and they inseminate you with a production is what it's called, like the sperm basically. Um, that has been washed. So they take the strongest ones from the wash and seminate them at the exact time that you've scheduled your eggs to release. And that way you can guarantee you're nailing the time. Now, mm -hmm. in my opinion, you sh if you have unexplained infertility, you shouldn't do that more than twice. Um, I just think it's a, it's much less expensive than IVF, much less. I mean, we're mm -hmm. talking like $1,500 versus $20,000. So I understand uh -huh. that some people like to do it over and over because they think it'll help, but your chances don't really go up very much because there's still so many unknowns. So all we know by doing an IUI is that we've timed it correctly. We don't know if that sperm is hitting, is fertilizing. We don't know if the egg is turning into an embryo, if it's growing. We don't know just because you timed the uh, ovulation correctly. We don't know that it for sure happened at the right time. We don't know if there are genetic abnormalities. So there's still a lot of unknowns, which is why it's a little less expensive. Ultimately, once you move forward to IVF, if that's the route that you go down, you get a lot more information. So you stimulate your body for several weeks. That stimulation produces multiple follicles, which turn into multiple eggs. So you try to get a lot of eggs at once instead of just that one that you normally ovulate. Then they take them out of your body and fertilize them outside of your body with the sperm 
and they can see, is the sperm penetrating the egg? Is it creating the right number of cells? Are you making embryos, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the millions of things that need to line up perfectly in order to become pregnant with a viable embryo. So that's why the price is so much higher. You're involving a whole set of surgical team and an embryologist and all these other people. And it's still not a guarantee. You could do a round of IVF and still get no results. You could get results where you get no embryos. You could get results where you get embryos and and put them back inside. And then it doesn't take. So the stakes are so high and the the expense is so great. And it's still just a shot in the dark. Yeah. That's, I think that's the unfortunate part, but there's, there's definitely hope. Yes. There's hope. So yeah, that's why I mentioned or kind of started with this, like the emotional side of, of, of how, how, you know, how do you deal with this? How do you like navigate? Because um, the feelings come up and, and, and it's just hard. It's just plain hard. Like I don't so want to sugarcoat it because it is really that, um, but it is so rewarding, right? Once you go through it and it's a success. So like, how, like what resources exist out there, like for, for families thinking about this, um, sure. obviously they can reach out and, and speak to someone like you, but what else is there? Yeah. So there are so many wonderful resources now that were not available when most people went through it because a lot of them are new resources. Um, I highly recommend like acupuncture. Um, I think that people should take a slew of supplements. And there are all kinds of really wonderful supplement companies out there that target fertility specifically, and then pregnancy and then motherhood, which I think it is important to go down one of those routes instead of a generic, um, you know, multivitamin. Um, I think therapy is wonderful if you can do it. I don't think it's the be all end all. Like, I don't think it's the only way to process your emotions because if your therapist hasn't really been through infertility, they might be super supportive and a beautiful safe space for you to talk and share your feelings, but they don't fully understand what you're going through. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the most important part of many things, many emotional, uh, obstacles is that having somebody hold your hand through it. That's been there that really understands what you're going through, I think is so crucial. And, um, look, I always say it takes it. We all know it takes a village to raise a baby. And I truly believe it takes a village to make a baby. And that a lot of women don't want to give themselves the time for self-care until baby gets here. It's like, once the baby's here, they feel like it's an acceptable time to spend time and resources and money on a doula or a sleep trainer or, you know, a prenatal massage when you're pregnant. But like, if you are struggling to get to the point of pregnancy, invest in getting yourself there with the least amount of time, the least amount of money and the least amount of emotional turmoil that you possibly can. I like, I like that, the the latter comment very much because you're right. I mean, you're, you start to kind of, all of these things are like, oh, now I need to do self-care once you have your child and you're like stressed out and tired and in a good way. Right. So, so in, investing initially in that, I remember um, even you know talking to folks like um, nutritionists, right? Or, yep. or there's a, there's a specific term for for those who like kind of look at your you know at you holistically and and testing um, hormones, like an integrative medicine. Fun- yes, functional functional medicine. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. functional. Yes, functional medicine. Yeah, which is very. I mean, aside from fertility. It's, I mean, it's something that I personally still very much, you know, geek out on because there's, there's Same. life after that, 
Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, and I love all of those pieces because it looks at you as a person and as a whole, and there's challenges, not just for in fertility arena, but anywhere else, you kind of start to treat, you know, those challenges at the core exactly. um, versus like trying to address the, like, you know, put the bandaid on it. Um, so and to I one of your points, really- like to one of your points earlier, when you were asking, what can we do? we never know what we never know. So we might not know that there's an issue until it's two years after trying to have a baby, right? You started at 35 and now you're 37. And then they're like, oh, you should go to a functional medicine doctor. And then all of a sudden you learn that like your gut health has been off for years and it might take you another year to get it back on track. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you knew that ahead of time, you could plan so that you don't feel like this process is dumping S-H-I-T on you. Am I allowed to curse? Mm -hmm. Dumping shit on you, but like you're actually taking control (laughs) Mm -hmm. of the process and making the most of your time, body, and money, you know? Yes, I agree. I feel like, and you know, my mission has been um, for, for, for a long time is to help families get, especially like younger families that are getting started, getting married, buying their first home, having a first child, it's like to get a really good grip on their you know personal finances. I feel like this topic, right. Of family planning should be like really addressed, you know, much deeper, not just You're like, so Oh, right. you know, it, <laughs> it'll happen one day. And that one day, maybe decades later. Well, you're right. It's like we, you were just saying, you know, once you have children, everyone's like, okay, you need to fill out, you know, a trust for your kid and you need to fill out this paperwork and that to make sure everything's taken care of. But like, why didn't you, what if you didn't plan? Like we did not plan to spend over a hundred thousand dollars on fertility treatments that we didn't have and we're still paying off. So mm-hmm. it is important, like as again, as we continue to talk more publicly about this for couples to start having those conversations when they talk about family planning before they're married or partnered or whatever they may be, you know? Yeah. I'm determined. I'm going to have that line item um, on my agenda list to like really address. And again, also it's like, it's a, such a sensitive topic that you can't just like, Hey, well, you know, well, well, when are you going to do it kind of question? And it's right. It's hard, right? <laughs> right? right. People get uncomfortable. But at least I want to raise the issue yeah. Um, because it could be, it could be a lot easier if you start earlier. So I know you have a lot of resources um, that you've collected to, um, to help your clients, but I'd love for you to share with our listeners, like, you know, what are those like helpful books, podcasts and other things? I'm sure I can't think of them right now. (laughs) And there are so many out there. So if you go to my website, which is incirclefertility.com, there is a whole resources tab on that tab, I include podcasts, books. Uh, I think I, I ha- I'm making a Spotify playlist of supportive IVF songs, just small ways after having been through it that can help you along the journey. I think podcasts are so important for this um, space because hearing what people have gone through is so incredibly helpful. I do a section of my blog called In the Circle, where we feature one story of somebody that went through something, whether it be embryo donation or surrogacy. I mean, you name it. I, you know, people who did um, uh, fertility preservation after a cancer diagnosis, so many reasons to use fertility treatment. Also, we have like on my own, one of my own products is infertility cards of affirmation. So, um, when I was going through it, and especially when I went through miscarriage, no one knew the right thing to say or the right thing to do. People would be like, do I buy you flowers or does that feel like a funeral? Do I 
mention it or do I ignore it? And so I created these cards, which I, I worked on with an artist who creates all of her art from sterile IVF needles. So it's really, they're really beautiful. And for example, like if you want to get a deck for somebody that, you know, who's going through it or a deck for yourself, we even include like things that you can say to the person, because so many people are just like, I don't know how to approach this topic. So we say like, I believe honesty is always the best policy. So not, you might as well say like, I don't know the right thing to tell you, but I saw these cards and I thought of you and I want to send you some love. Do you know how meaningful that is to somebody? It just makes you feel so seen, which when you're in isolation, dealing with pregnancy loss or infertility, you don't feel seen. You don't feel heard. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to put your stuff onto everybody else. And also you need to talk. It's like such mm-hmm. a mess in your mind. And so I really try to think about all the resources that can combat that piece of it. Oh, this is so Awesome. I, I am definitely one, uh, a, a deck in order. I'll right send away. you a deck. I'll send you a deck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have somebody who's going, is going through that. And, and I actually, I, I wanted to reach out to her, but I, I hesitated because I'm like, I don't know why, but I don't know, like, maybe it's not, you know, a right time, um, yeah. because something is, is going on. So what do you say? It's like, so I yeah. paused, um, but it's, this is a great reminder that maybe something like that is just a, it's just as, as, as good of as asking, how are you doing? Exactly. You don't want to say like, did it work? Totally. Right? Because- I, but if you know, she's going through it, like you do, you can even just, like I said, honesty being the best policy. Hey, last time we uh, talked, mm-hmm. you were going through this. You don't have to update me in any way, shape or form, but just know that I'm here to listen if you want the space. And I think yeah. that's so big, you know? That's awesome. I'm going to do that. I'll send, okay. I'll send her in <laughs> recording. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Abby. Thanks, Abby. This is so awesome. Okay. I also want to, um, I want you to talk a little bit about your podcast because um, there's more comfort, like, right. There's a, yes. right now we're just sort of summarizing things. So what, it, what is your podcast all about? Yes. So my podcast just released, it's called the fertility chick. And what I really find striking about infertility is a lot of times we learn that people went through it and we're like, what? They were going through it while they were a news anchor on television. I can't believe that. And so all of these stories of what we as women are portraying on the outside and what's going on on the inside really interests me. So it's like badass women who have great, interesting and inspiring career moments who also either were or are going through fertility treatment of some kind. And I think, again, sharing those stories is the best way to continue to get the word out there. Yes, I agree because there's probably somebody who is just maybe afraid to take the first step, right? And, exactly. and inspiring someone because you share your story is 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 worth more than you can actually put a price on it. So um, I'm, yes, I'm tuning in very, very, very Thank much you. interested. So please, um, yeah. And congratulations. I know it's, it's a lot you. of work to launch a podcast. So Thank you. I it support is. you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> this is almost um, 200 episodes over here. Uh, I know I've been going at it a little, a little slow, but yes, um, I love it. It's, it's a great platform to have these kinds of conversations, right? So Agreed. if I didn't keep going, um, and this is a reminder for anyone, like not just to, about starting a podcast, even on, on the topic of, of, fertility, of fertility, like if I didn't keep going on the podcast, I would have never had an opportunity to connect with you. So yeah. it's like one step in front of the other um, is all exactly you can right. do. So how can our listeners connect with you anywhere, social media, online? Yes. So my website again is in circle fertility. You can email me via that website, or if you are looking for support on your fertility journey, you can grab a free 30 minute support session. See if we're a fit to work together. 
I'm also a big fan of Instagram. You can find me at Abby Feeder. It's weird. A-B-B-E-F-E-D-E-R. Um, just DM me, slide into my DMs. I always check them and I'm always happy to talk with anybody about any of this. Awesome. Thank you so much. Any last minute word of encouragement? I will say one thing that, that you just sparked in me when you said one foot in front of the other, which is that I there's this Stephen Jobs quote that I think is so great that I, I don't know the exact quote, but you can only connect the dots looking backwards. So mm-hmm. hindsight, it's kind of like hindsight is 2020. And so mm-hmm. Really what I, so much of my hindsight, what I would have, could have, should have done differently is the reason that I do my work now so that you don't have to connect the dots only looking backwards, but that you can feel empowered to actually create the line of dots moving forward. That is, that is very powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. Disclaimer. The opinions expressed on this show are for general information only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individuals. To determine which investments or solutions may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax professional for more specific advice. Hey there, Money Boss Parent, giving you a virtual high five because you just wrapped up another awesome episode of the Money Boss Parent Podcast. If you're craving more insights, hop over to moneybossparentpodcast.com. You'll find there detailed show notes from today's episode and even some sweet deals from our guests and partners. And if you're eager to connect with other super cool moms and dads who are just like you, who are navigating the world of money and parenting, come join our exclusive Facebook community for Money Boss Parents. The link is waiting for you at moneybossparentpodcast.com.